This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Welcome to The Wine Situation, the podcast. All about situations with wine. I mean, it's not really all about situations with wine, just some. Uh, currently, the one uh, that I've been citing as the reason for me doing this is that, you know, it's locked down and there's a lot of drinking alone. And I, L. Clifford, Ellen Clifford, if you prefer, aspire to be a friend so that you do not feel alone and you can enjoy your wine with company. And now I know uh, pe- people are getting vaccinated now. I'm very excited. You know, maybe maybe you're all vaxxed up. Maybe you are chilling out, having a glass of Cremant d'Alsace with a friend listening to this podcast together, which if you are, I feel for both of you. I don't know who listens to podcasts with other people unless maybe like in the car, but like seriously, does anyone actually listen to podcasts with other people? Because that seems, I I would not trust a person who listens to podcasts with other people. Good Lord. Unless it's this one, you know... Uh, well, no, actually, you guys should both listen to it on your own, so I get the extra downloads. How about that? Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, so I'm here to educate you, enlighten you, make you laugh, maybe, if I'm lucky, and tell you things about wine. Who am I? I am Ellen Clifford, or L, depending when and where you meet me. I currently, I'm a certified psalm with the Quartermaster Sommeliers. I hold a diploma from the Wine Spirit Educational Trust, and I'm right now thinking about when they open up for the next year, putting in my application for the Master of Wine program, which I'm like, I was looking at the practice, you have to take a, even if you have your diploma, you still have to take a test to get into that, and like have letters of recommended. I'm just like, man, I don't know, what if I apply for it and I don't even get to try to start the program? Uh, We'll see. We'll see, guys. We'll see. Taking it a day at a time. Ugh. I also write for Delectable, I write for Venice, I write for a couple other like uh, sites, so yeah, that's what I do. So I don't know everything. Good God, if I knew everything, I would be a master of wine already, and even the, like, I bet the true masters also know that they have much to learn, young Jedis, young wine Jedis. How, how are you doing? I know I took a couple weeks off, like, some stuff happened, like, me recording entire episodes that got lost to the interwebs, and I just, I, you know what? I kind of needed a break. I I got some scripts I'm working on, and I just, I kind of just needed a couple weeks off. I'm really sorry if I abandoned you. If anything, you're probably like, Ellen, could you give us a couple more weeks off? We're not cut up yet, but nope, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm back, baby, with more wine intel for you. Oh yeah, I've got so many segments, and from those segments, shall come fully born like Athena from the Head of Zeus, tangents. That's what this podcast is. If it's not about me, which it is, if it's not about wine, which it also is, if it's not about goth things and cats, which not always, but frequently it is, it's about segments and tangents. Cool. Okay, so I'm I'm excited by the content I have for you today. Some of it was stuff that I kind of touched on in the, in the last episode that I'm now like really excited to get back to because I just, I needed a cooling, like we needed our space, you know? We needed space so that we could come together and be fresh again for your ear holes. Uh, So yeah, do you want to have an agenda? Let's get into our agenda. So 
we're going back to the bones upon which the vegetarian, let's call it just a big hunkin slice of mozzarella or a, a ball of burrata, the, the vegetarian flesh of which this podcast hang on. The bones are the who, what, when, where, why, wine game where I drop the clues throughout the podcast. Those are the bones that give this podcast some, some semblance of structure. Uh, yeah, we're going to have that game. We're going to have a poll, because guys, your opinion matters to me. We're going to have a wine with a woman behind it. Also a man, but also a woman. Um, and it's one, it's a type I don't drink too much, so that's fun. Uh, we're going to have a just add wine that I'm super excited about. And I think I'm going to be writing about it later too. And I'm hoping, well, you'll see when we get there. See, getting away from myself already. And then we are going to have a, I wasn't actually drunk, although I was drunk on nerves because I was nervous because I never met this person before, but he was so nice. Um, we're going to have a chat with Philippe Andre, who is ambassador for Charles Heidsick. He is part of the United Psalm Fund um, or Foundation, and he's got a hell of a sense of style. So look forward to that conversation with him. I, I really enjoyed talking to him. I'm not just saying that. I think I end up, I sort of say that I, there's a lot of times I have guests and I'm like, I end up always like falling like a little in love with all my guests. Like I, <laughs> uh, there have been very few that I have not really enjoyed talking to. And he is no exception to that. Um, so, you know, if you are tired of me and want to hear someone else, you know, fast forward to a little close to the end and you can hear Philippe. And also a little me, but also Philippe. Cool. All right. Well, should we have our first clue? Look, oh, like barely six minutes in and we are ready to have ourselves a clue in who, what, when, where, why, why, and the game that actually is a game, because later on we're going to play the game that's not a game, which kind of is the game. You dig? Okay. Your who is actually not who. This who is not a board game maker. This who is not a board game maker. Okay, now we're gonna have our poll, because y'all know I am so obsessed with stemware, uh, and I just am kind of curious what other people are into. If you're into stemless glasses, then you're dead to me just a little bit, unless it's like for really practical reasons, like I forgive certain bars if they don't want to trust people with stemware, but um, uh, yeah, I'm. so you all know I'm quite a, a devotee of Zalto. I also, um, I have their Universal, I have their Burgundy, I have their Bordeaux. I want everything <laughs> Zalto makes, to be honest. I also really like Glazel, which I would say is, it's not a Portman's man's uh, Zalto. It's actually, it's very similar to Zalto. It just has a slightly different style to it. The wines taste stellar out of it. Um, rest in peace, my Zweisel glasses, my, I think there's, it's like, in some year, Enoteca Grand Cru Burgundy glasses, they're both dead now. I, I almost actually want to change this poll to what should I reward myself for, for passing diploma, because uh, almost every big test I've, big test, I've, I've passed lots of, like, the, the menial, the menial ones along the way, not entirely menial, but, um, I kind of want to ask what should I reward myself, what glassware should I reward myself with for being done with diploma, 
but maybe I'll wait until I actually have my pen and my actual diploma in my hands to do that just to make sure it's real. Or maybe I should wait till I get into the master wine program, but then I have to wait so long. I really want to, I, I kind of want to replace my Zweisel glasses, but right now I can't find the ones I had. They were like the beautiful ones, the really big bowl. And normally I'm not too big on the lip of the glass doing that thing where it kind of flares out, but these did it the perfect way. And I loved almost every wine out of them. They're a runner up to Zalto. Now, then we could talk about uh, Riedel. Riedel? Riedel? They make a wine shape for every, like, a, a glass shape for every wine. And yes, I do own several of their Syrah glasses. And yes, I did do a comparison in which I was like, huh, I felt like the Syrah I was drinking tasted fruitier and less earthy out of those, which I don't know was necessarily here nor there. I once for a reward for myself, ordered one of those like 100, like the most expensive of their burgundy glasses. And the thing is, the thing was, I mean, the Salto glasses are huge, but they're the right height. This thing was like mammoth. This was made for someone with a fist five times. This. And granted, I have small hands even for, for a young, young gender fluid woman. But um, I was like, what is up with these glasses? They are way too tall. I returned it and was like, I'm going to get something else instead. So, but are, is there a Riedel? I, I feel like there's stems. I, I just, I, to me, Zalto and now also a little grassland, so I still hold a place in my heart that Riedel has yet to fill. Although maybe I have not. They just make so many different Riedels. They also make some pretty cool decanters. I... I don't, I'm running out of room in my home, especially because when I have a bottle that's really special to me, I, I, there's a lot of empty bottles that I look at lovingly with fond memories in my heart around. And I just, I'm like, I already have a decanter and I almost never use it. Maybe I should, but I'm just like, I'm going to pour it into my big glass and swirl vigorously. Yeah, I, I rarely decant. That seems like something I'd do if I were throwing a party, which, as we know, is not happening. Ugh. Anyway, you know, um, I'm going to post a poll. What's your favorite glass to drink out of and why? Or you can just tell me if you if you don't have time, just just name, name the glass. If you have the time, name it. Drop a link to where I can buy it. You know, you can answer this poll with either what your favorite glassware is or what glasses I should buy for myself since I finished diploma. I just have to keep saying that. It's been more than a month, guys. I should be over it, but I'm just, I'm still kind of in disbelief because it's not going to feel real, I think, until I'm like, probably until I've moved on to the next program or something. Oh, I don't know. But I can put the post-nominal dip W set. That's capital D, lowercase IP, capital W, capital S, capital E, capital T, after my name, which looks astoundingly close to dipshit, but uh, sometimes I'm kind of one of those too. Not certified yet, though. I, I gotta have goals. So I'll post that poll to our Instagram. You can also, you, you, you know, you're my friend. So many of you that listen are probably my friends and have my number. Text me. Tell me. Tell me what up. Um, actually, text me anyway. It doesn't have to be like a long conversation. I know sometimes I put off texting or calling people because I'm like, eh. I have five minutes and I want this person to know I'm thinking about them, but I don't have time for like a long heart to heart. I always want to have time for a long heart to heart, but I don't always. Anyway, um, you know, you can text me your response to this and I'll try and keep track of it. You can, yeah, just somehow or other respond to this poll. 
you know what's up. Let's get another clue, because this wine, this beautiful, beautiful wine bottle, and this, I hope, beautiful, because I haven't tasted it yet, not till I cheers with you guys. Wine is waiting for me to drink it. Um, to refresh your memory in our who, what, when, where, why wine, your who is not a board game maker. Your what is, yes, it is an AVA, an American Viticultural Area, that is named for the alluvial fan resulting from in rocky soils with baseball-sized basalt cobbles. What's basalt? Basalt is a type of uh, rock soil made of extrusive, uh, that's, that is an extrusive igneous soil. Um, extrusive meaning the lava, the magma cooled once it had exited the earth and become lava, and then it cooled and became stone at or near the surface. So your what is, it's an area named for a soil consisting of an alluvial fan. Alluvial means like a river. This is like the river fan resulting in rocky soils with baseball-sized basalt cobbles of extrusive igneous rock. Was that, was that fancy enough for you? Whew. I mean, it's a mouthful. I'll say that. But maybe not as much of a mouthful as this wine will be. Let's get to know this winery. So what I have today to taste with y'all is outward... 2019 Curtis Vineyard Santa Inez, Inez Valley Cabernet Franc. So this is California Cabernet Franc from Outward Wines. So I'll just read you like the verbiage I got off the website. I, I found this at Eve Bottle Shop. You all know I love going there. My friend Nathaniel Munoz, who you've heard on the pod before, he runs it. He always recommends great things. I was like working on an article for Women's History Month. Need, need the wines with women behind it. And he's like, this wine has a woman behind it. So well, let's see. I also, well, she's partnering with, okay, I'll just read it. Unless, what if Ryan is also a woman? I, no, I think it's a man. I saw a picture of them. They were cute. Outward Wines is a partnership between Natalie Siddiq, I hope I'm saying that right, it's spelled S-I-D-D-I-Q-U-E, and Ryan Pace. And it says, we are focused on producing small lot, site-specific wines from California's central coast, primarily sourcing fruit from Santa Barbara County. All of the vineyards that we work with are either certified sustainable, organic, or biodynamic, and are located in close proximity to the cold Pacific Ocean. In the cellar, we strive, I don't know why they just became British, but they did, we strive to minimize inputs throughout the winemaking process, in order to allow for a clear picture of what the site can provide naturally and to give the wine a true sense of time and place. To that end, we utilize spontaneous yeast to carry out fermentations and a bottle without fining or filtration where possible. While we do our best to allow the wines to speak for themselves, we also recognize the role and impact of the human element in terroir. Our hands and our decisions are reflected in the wines that we produce, and so it is not only an expression of sight, but it is our, that's italicized, our expression of sight. I'll stop the British accent, it's probably getting annoying. Our winemaking pro uh, approach is informed by the places we have traveled, the background and experience we have in the wine industry, the wines we've enjoyed and been inspired by, the food we prepare and consume, and the friends and mentors that we consult. This is a thorough duo, you guys. Um, all winemaking dogma aside, at the end of the day, our goal for these wines is for them to be delicious and to provide a pleasure to the end consumer. Outward is about expression, exploration, adventure, and the unknown. We consistently seek to push ourselves out of our comfort zones, whether through 
adventurous pursuits in the outdoors, working with new vineyards, or simply new sex positions. They, sorry, that last part, that was just me spicing things up. That was lame. Bad joke. Bad joke, Ellen. Okay, um, working with new vineyards, or simply challenging our own philosophy and approach to winemaking. Outward is our ever-evolving winemaking adventure, and we hope you will join us for the ride. Well, I am about to. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, what can I tell you specifically about this this bottle I'm about to enjoy? I downloaded the text sheet so that I could do so accurately. Let's see. Vineyard. Curtis Vineyard is located in the heart of Santa Inez Valley, which is a subregion of Santa Barbara, along Foxen Canyon Road, and is situated on a small plateau. The climate is slightly warmer than some of the more coastal sites within Santa Barbara County. However, it still benefits immensely from the regulating force and influence of the ocean. The warmer climate allows for superior ripening of Bordeaux and Rhone varietals, but still allows them to retain their acidity due to extreme diurnal temp temperature shifts. You guys, what that means is it's hotter during the day and colder at night and more so than some places are. Um, the vineyard certified sustainable and farmed meticulously by coastal vineyard care. I guess that means someone else farms it and they take the grapes, grapes and do their dirty work with it or their, their clean work. I'm not sure. Okay, let's look at what their winemaking is for this. The 2019 Cabernet Franc was harvested by hand at 23.8 bricks. Guys, bricks, B-R-I-X, that's like a measure of how much sugar is in the grape, basically. Um, okay, measured on October 7th, 7th, 2019, before the world went to shit. Um, the wine spent 19 days on skins and was fermented with 50% whole cluster inclusion. That means there were some grape stems in there, guys, which can provide extra peppery and tannic nature, uh, nature to the wine. But we'll see if it does. Maybe the 50% was judicious. We'll see. Okay, um, no punch downs were performed and only gentle pump overs were practiced for cap management. In So that's like when punch downs are when they push the skins down into the wine to like mix mix the cap. That's that's all the grape skins that have kind of bunched together. Um, that's what a punch down is. A pump over is when they take the juice out the bottom and pour it over the top. Um, so, okay, let's see. They were practiced for cap management. Cap being, like I said, that sort of like mass of grape skins that tends to form in the fermenting juice. Um, okay. In order to encourage carbonic maceration character in the whole clusters. Oh, okay. Um, so carbonic maceration is when the juice starts to ferment within the grape before it's burst. So yeah, I guess if you have whole clusters sitting around, that might start to happen a little. And that gives you those kind of like sometimes bubblegummy, sometimes banana-y, kind of almost sweet, but it's not actually sweet, but it feels sweet note. That's what carbonic is. I'm giving you guys so much tech info that you didn't ask for, but sorry, there you go. Um, okay. Cap uh, management to order to encourage carbonic maceration character in the whole clusters. After fermentation, the wine was gently basket pressed. I won't get into a basket press yet. And aged in neutral French barrels for 10 months. Neutral means that they're used, so it's not going to add a bunch of the flavors you would associate with new French oak, like vanilla and baking spice. Okay. The wine was bottled unfined and unfiltered in August 2020, which probably means that this was a, a vegan wine, because usually um, 
uh, fining and filtering is when you might use products that would make a wine not be vegan or not vegetarian. Alrighty, I'm covering up the tasting notes before I see them because I'm going to cheers you. I'm going to take a sip. Oh, this smells great. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you another clue and then we'll play the game. After playing the game that is a game, we'll play the game that's not a game, which is the game of this podcast. Cheers. Ooh. Yes, please. Give me another. May I have another, sir? Ma'am. Ma'am, sir. There's also a restaurant in LA called Ma'am, sir. I think it's still open. I hope it here. It's good. Um, this is delicious. I can't wait to talk about it, but... Uh, okay, one more sip. Mmm. That's what I want in a Cabernet Franc. Okay, I'm going to go through the clues again, and then we'll play the game that's not a game. But first, the game that is a game, who, what, when, where, why, wine. Your who is not a board game maker. Your what is an AVA named for soil that is uh, an alluvial fan resulting in rocky soils with baseball size basalt, that's extrusive igneous rock, cobbles. Yeah, that's right. This has baseball sized cobbles. Basalt, basalt, cobbles. That's fun to say. Um, okay, your win is 2015. So this is a, was when this area was established. So that's pretty recent. Okay, now back to the game that is not a game, which is what's in a glass, where I kind of walk you through how us wine nerd people do it. So this is a medium, somewhat translucent ruby uh, with rather thick, slow tears. Um, no evidence of gas or sediment. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, you can definitely see your fingers there. Ooh, medium plus toes, toes, medium plus toes. You guys, my toes are so medium plus. <laughs> Actually, they're not, they're pretty small toes. Um, medium plus nose. You're immediately, you get, uh, you get both, both green pepper and black pepper. It's just like, Pepper City, guys, um, in a pleasant way. A little hint of lilac or violet. Behind all that, you get like both, uh, oh, almost a cranberry or pomegranate. I'm gonna say pomegranate. You gotta get like a pomegranate nature. Uh, more red fruit than black fruit, but like it hints at both. It tilts at both. Uh, let's put it on the palette and take a look at structure. Hmm. Oh, and put acid at medium plus. Tannins are, what are the tannins? They're very silky, whatever they are. What, but what level are they? Well, I'm put them squarely at medium, medium silky tannins. Very, very just well integrated silky, almost medium minus, but maybe they're just so well integrated. The alcohol I'm gonna say is Hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to say it's about 14.1. <laughs> I think it maybe technically would be high in WSET terms. Um, other people, other than, uh, in times past, they'd maybe be medium plus. Let's find out what they are and look at the bottle. Cheating. What does the bottle say they are? Um, but you got heard my guess. I said 14.1. Um... Thirteen nine, so that that was that, that was pretty good, right? 
I'm trying to remember what, I think that's what the WSET would call the Phi is high. Hold on, I'm checking. Oh, high is 14 plus. So this one skates just under the high. This is, this is a medium alcohol. Body, also medium. Mm. Flavor intensity is medium plus. This, this has like a kick. I mean, the thing is, it's really elegant though. Like this is a very elegant wine. It's got a lot of nuance going on to it. It doesn't like smack you in the face. I mean, the pepper smacks you in the nose a little bit, but it's more like a nice, it's like a little poof, like a little, just I, I flicked my pinky finger at your nose. <laughs> um, oh golly. I think I'm getting like a little bit of vanilla-ness on it, but maybe, okay, let, let's fit, taste, let's taste again and see, see what rainbows we taste here. Is rainbow a flavor? Could it be? I'm going to make it one. Mm. Yeah. More green pepper, almost a jalapeno on there, but like a friendly jalapeno. Um, or maybe it's just a, like a, a, not a, no, the serranos are smoked, right? There's also the black pepper. Um, there's a little bit of earth. There's a little bit of crunch and gravel and minerality about it. Uh, again, with the red fruit, like the pomegranates, maybe a black cherry, maybe maybe a red cherry, definitely a violet in there. Uh, this is freaking delightful. A lot of times I'm not... Cabernet Franc does not tend to be my favorite thing when it gets to be too green peppery. Like, mm. But this one is doing it right because this is like green peppers, but they've been worked into a bouquet of flowers and not even like floral flowers, just like fresh flowers. Is there even almost like a hint of grass in this? Is there? Is there? Maybe. The finish I'm going to put back. Ooh, and there, what is it? Yeah, there's like a hint of like cedar in there just like this is a bouquet of of violets with some peppers hanging out in the forest um having a glass of pomegranate juice as one does and uh, you, you know they put a shot of cranberry in there too i really like this well done nathaniel i'm recommending outward wines curtis vineyard santa Inez valley cabernet franc 2019 this is a delightful wine, and I'm trying to think if it could... I think it could age. Mm. It's got complexity. I'm not sure if it has, like... Well, I think... I think some of the tertiary notes that would come out would be good on this. I, I wouldn't age it forever, but I think this has, like, the right amount of acid that it could age a little bit. Um, just, you know, depends whether you're like a frosher wine or a more aged wine. I tend to be, I mean, some wines like freaking need some age. Like don't drink a Barolo too young. You're just asking for, for punishment. Not really, but like you're, you're just not going to get your money's worth if you do that. Um, this one I think is drink now, drink a little later. It, it could do well. Finish. Mm. Ooh. This is medium plus and it comes back for seconds. Um, let's see what their tasting notes are. Uh, I, I just said, uh, yeah, okay. Um, tasting notes that they gave were, the Curtis Cabernet Franc has nice varietal aromas of green peppercorn, black currant, and graphite. Graphite? I did not pick up on graphite, but maybe that's the minerality I was noticing. Hmm. Okay, I can see. I, I was calling it minerality. I, they call it graphite. I see, I see that. Okay, um... 
complemented by a punch of bright blue fruit from the whole cluster carbon carbonic portion. The wine is savory and spicy on the palate with a burst of blue and black fruits. I, you know, I didn't get so much the blue and black. I got a lot of pomegranate, but you know, I, I, I'm not them. Rich tannins, rich. By rich, do they mean velvety? <laughs> I mean, there's a certain sensuality to velvet that is rich. And a lengthy finish, definitely agree about the lengthy finish. Um, Y'all, this is a lovely wine. If you see Outward Wines, uh, I know they make other varieties. Yeah, give it a whirl. I, I feel that I can endorse this winery. So now we have just played What's in the Glass, the game that's not a game. So should we get back to the game that is a game? Mm, that taste of wine says yes. Okay. So your who, what, when, where, why wine game that is a game. Your who is not a board game maker. Your what is a, an area named for a soil from an alluvial fan resulting in rocky soils with baseball-sized basalt, that's extrusive, extrusive igneous cobbles. Your when was 2015 when it was established. Your where is, this is a sub-region of Walla Walla, which interestingly enough, oh, this, this region does not, Walla Walla exists in two states. Uh, and it's also Columbia Valley. Walla Walla is within Columbia. Yay. And now we move on to our next segment, Just Add Wine. What are we adding wine to this, the, uh, this time? We're adding it to outer space because that just happened. Or rather, a month-ish ago, 12 bottles of Bordeaux and 320 vine canes splashed down after spending 12 months on the International Space Station to see like what what gravity what gravity does to wine what it does to the vines um uh well here I'll read you a quick um little bit they said about this cuz like okay we don't know who made this wine they sent up there but apparently all 12 bottles were from one producer in the same vintage they were housed in a steel cylinder so that they wouldn't smash they had their original corks, and they are now that they're back on Earth, they are going to undergo chemical analysis at the University of Bordeaux, and the cuttings will be subjected to genome sequencing. So apparently, um, I'm just reading this straight off the website for you guys. Nicolas, Nicolas Gomez, Gom, uh, CEO of Space Cargo Unlimited, is interested to see if the is interested to see the results and hopes to find that space is the key when it comes to creating agricultural solutions for the future. I think this has to do with like, they're like, oh, if the vines are under all the stress, like the vines are used to a little gravity, like now they're out in space, there's not so much gravity, how are they going to deal with the stress? Uh, could vines learning to deal with the stress of adverse uh, conditions, could we use how, what, how they change to help us figure out how to like deal with climate warming? I think that's kind of like what the deal is. So the results have not been re uh, revealed yet. I imagine they're probably still chemically analyzing things. But from this art what this article says, it said several bottles will be opened in Bordeaux at the end of February, where they will be tasted at a private event by some of the industry's finest palates. Guys, I wasn't invited. I wasn't invited, but apparently this tasting has happened, so now I'm like really curious to see what will happen when you just add wine to outer space. Now, since we don't yet know what happens, I'm going to ponder other ways to add wine to space. So my first thought was like, 
you know, what about uh, pairing wine with space movies? And aside from Star Wars, because come on, Star Wars Ultimate, um, the first space movie that popped into my mind when I was making my notes for this episode was The Martian. I love that. And so my thought about what I would pair with that is, well, he eats a lot of potatoes, guys, right? Uh, he, I think he also at some point like dips his potatoes in oxycodone as a garnish, because why not? Uh, which I, I don't think I'd advise, and I don't know what wine... To, I, I don't think you should pair wine with oxycodone, but in terms of potatoes, like nothing goes better with a fried potato than sparkling rosé. So that is what I would pair with the Martian. Alien? There's just like... I mean... Uh, uh, an alien pops out of a dude's chest like it's a little stomach turning and I'd hate to associate the wine with it. So I'm just going to say, you know, pair something you don't care about losing your appetite for with Alien. 2001, A Space Odyssey? I, I think Champagne, because it's like, I see stars! As for Star Wars, what would I pair with them? Well, I think of them as winter movies because, you know, a lot of, in the last... I've what, 10 years? All, all of the episodes have usually come out around Christmas time. And so I think of them as winter movies. So I'm going to say something warming and, and jolly, like a nice Zinfandel. Uh, the other space movie I was re-watching recently was Ad Astra, which is like a very meditative movie. It's kind of like a baseball game where things like aren't happening and it's very slow. And then boom, crazy things are happening. So you want a wine that's going to open up slowly and like go the distance. So I don't know. When I made my notes, I was like a Shannon, a Shannon that will just like keep revealing layers to you as it goes. Like especially like a Sauvignon by Nicolas Jolie, something like that that could open up for days. Because Ed Esther is a long movie, and you might need to pause it and watch it over the course of days. Ah. Now, um, now the day I originally recorded the sadly lost episode that included this segment. Ugh. The day I recorded it, if you want to like go back and know when I lost an episode, it's okay. I think it's better when I'm doing it now. Um, that was the day we got the news that the Mars rover Perseverance had landed safely, and Krispy Kreme released a Mars donut, which was like a round donut dipped in caramel with a red swirl and chocolate cookie crumbs. And so I was like, what would I pair? Now I'm getting into food pairings, not movie pairings, for for um, for space things. So I would, a Mars donut, I, I think I'd pair it with a Tokai. <clears throat> something that has some botrytis on it. Something obviously sweet. So then I'm like, what are other space foods? So next to mind uh, was Rocket Pops. Those that, that is what they call it, right? The red, white, and blue, those Rocket Pops, right? Those were like such a fun treat at fairs when you were a kid. Where can you get a rocket pop these days? Are they still out there? I want one now. Uh, maybe I don't. I don't think it would go with this Cabernet Franc that I'm really enjoying drinking. Guys, gotta get this. Ugh. But if I had a rocket pop and I was like, put some wine with it, I think, you know, what I think I would do is I think I'd get a glass of Prosecco and I would both suck on my rocket pop and then also like dip it in the Prosecco and watch the Prosecco turn colors and then sip it, and then sip the Prosecco, and then eat the Rock Good Pop, and it would be like a back and forth, uh, tit for tat, fun, fun time. That's what I'm imagining. I don't know why, but that's how it is. Um, other space-named foods. Milky Way Bar. 
I think would 100% go with medium sherry because, you know, it's got that nougat thing going on, that nutty thing. A medium sherry is an Amontillado sherry, which means it's been aged both uh, both under floor, which is a... Uh, <laughs> this is getting way too complicated. All the, this is to say is that you want something sweet and a little nutty. And then I thought of Saturn peaches. Is that... Or do they just call them donut peaches? Am I the only one who calls them the Saturn peaches? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, I think of those as being kind of like white peaches. It tastes a little floral, so I'd put that with a Saturn peach. It may not exist. I didn't look it up, guys, but I'm calling them Saturn peaches because I am. Um, I'd put that with a Moscato d'Asti. A Mars bar. What is a Mars bar? I've never had a Mars bar. And then I'm like, Snickers bars, does that have anything to do with space? Um, but for I kind of almost think it does because I was thinking of Astro Snicks. I, I'm aging myself, but there was this Happy Meal toy uh, that McDonald's made called Astro Snicks, and they were like these little alien outer space creatures. And so I'm like, are Snickers, do I associate them with space things? Just Maybe it's just because they're from like the same candy company that makes Milky Ways, but also I was like... Are they related to Astrosnicks? Although Astrosnicks is spelled A-S-T-R-O-S-N-I-K-S. No C in there, like Snickers. But what do you pair with McDonald's? Guys, look it up. I wrote a whole, whole um, fast food slow wine, what to pair with McDonald's. column for delectable. You can find it there. What would I pair with a Starburst? More space names. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say vodka. I don't think I can eat. Do Starburst have gelatin in them? I, I don't know. Then I was like, oh, astronaut foods. What do you pair freeze-dried ice cream with? Astronaut ice cream. To be honest, I don't think I've ever had it, but for some reason I feel like you should have it with cream soda. I don't know. Lastly, all I have to say is that Pluto is a planet. Fight me. Actually, please don't. I, I, know, I know what the definition of a planet is, but guys, I feel for Pluto. Think about it. Pluto was like, you know, was from the realm of, of the death and I am goth. So <laughs> I want my goth planet to still be a planet, not just a very large orbiting object. <sighs> that was a lot. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, let's get another clue from our who, what, when, where, why, wine. Your who's not a board game maker. Your what is an area named for an alluvial fan resulting in rocky soils with baseball-sized basalt cobbles. Your win is 2015. Your where is a subregion of Walla Walla, which is a subregion of Colombia. And your why is you want a Cabernet Franc, not the one I'm drinking, but a Cabernet Franc, a Grenache, a Malbec, a Syrah, mostly they're known for Syrah, I think, a Tempranillo or a Viognier that has controversy behind it. Before I give you what this is, I'm just going to say, you know, go on the iTunes, rate, review. There's like two idiots that gave us one star, and one of them was like a, not even someone who could drink, and they were just like, ugh. These people sound like people I'd want to drink with, but do they know about podcasting? I don't think so. And I was just like, what a loser. Um, so if you give me a bad rating, I will berate you on my own podcast because I'm very mature like that. Um, anyway, that'd be cool. Let's l let's have a reveal. You guys have had the clues. Uh, those of you who know about wine probably know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Rocks District of Milton Freewater. So let's break down these clues. Not a game maker, so not Milton Bradley. It has nothing to do with that. The um, uh, 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 the region, let's see, okay. 
So Milton Freewater was like a, the amalgamation of two town names. Apparently they were rival cities, although Wikipedia didn't tell me what they were rivaling for. Milton, they're not sure how that town got named. It was maybe because they wanted to build a mill. Freewater was because they were trying to attract settlers by offering free residential water rights. I'm not sure what that means. Maybe it means that if they live by a creek, they own the water. I'm not sure. Uh, your what was all about the soil and interesting factoid uh, the rocks district of Milton Freewater is the only American viticultural area named for the type of soil so that's fun as I said 2015 is when this became an AVA uh, your where as I said Milton Freewater is a sub-region of Walla Walla which is a which so Walla Walla exists in two states Oregon and Washington but the entirety of the rocks exists in Oregon, which has resulted in dun 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 controversy. Uh, what is the controversy? I'll read what someone else wrote because they will say it more clearly than I probably off the cuff. <clears throat> the AVA, unlike the Walla Walla Valley AVA and Walla Walla Valley itself, lies entirely in the state of Oregon. This has implications for the use of the appellation on wines produced in Oregon and Washington. Because federal rules require wines to be fully finished in the state in which the AVA lies, only a handful of Oregon wineries out of the more than 100 wineries in both, in both states in the Walla Walla Valley would be permitted to use the, the, the Milton Freewater appellation on their product. At the same time, Oregon wineries as far as, as far as as far away as Portland could use the appellation. This has caused some labeled prominent dissenters. So, um, yeah, so people are like, well, so there will be wineries that are super far away from this, but because they're located in Oregon, they can source grapes from Milton Freewater and use that. Meanwhile, there will be this winery based in Walla Walla, but they just happen to be just over the state line in Washington, and maybe they got their beautiful, beautiful grapes from Milton Freewater, you know, those beautiful free-draining basalt-grown <laughs> wines, and they will not be allowed to use it because the winery itself is located on the Washington side of the state line. Political controversy, guys. At any rate, uh, it, it's it's a fun region to know of. I don't know how much Milton Freewater I've actually drinking. It's hard to say, especially since maybe I've drinking some and they weren't able to label it as such. Hmm. But I'd like to drink more because I'm super into Oregon wine, as is the guest that I have coming up for you guys. As I said, he um, is with the United um, United Sommelier Foundation. He is a rep uh, ambassador for Charles Heidsick wine. He, or champagne, sorry. It's not just wine, it's champagne, which is wine, but you know what I mean. Anyway, please enjoy my conversation with Philippe. Andre and I will talk to you unless another tragedy happens and I lose this episode and I lose all hope like I did a couple of weeks ago. I will talk to you next week. Cheers. Hey, Philippe, this is Ellen. Hi, Ellen. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? How's Chicago? Um, You're in Chicago, right? Yep, yep. We're hanging in there, man. You know, it's... um. The weather is slowly coming around, but it's still a little cool here. But we're getting some sun, and it's melted a lot of the snow, so we're we're ready for spring. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, how about you? Where are you based? 
Um, I'm in Los Angeles where it's, it was, uh, you know, it's the opposite here. It was freezing cold in the fifties and rainy, you know, freezing cold in the (laughs) fifties. Can't complain. Um, thank you you so much for, uh, taking, taking part in this. Um, it's pretty simple. Thanks for thinking of me. Just got five easy breezy questions about what you think about food and wine and then we'll, I'll send you on your merry way. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I will dive right in though. Then, um, so question number one is just, uh, what you drinking these days? What are you into? Um, anything in large format. So magnums are my favorite. I love to, uh, find older big bottles. Um, so magnums and gel bombs, um, not obviously the perfect time to be buying large format, but <laughs> I know that when the time is right, we'll be opening big bottles when people can celebrate. But um, I've got a group of some folks that I'm kind of quarantined with or in a pod, I guess you could say. So, you know, when we do get together, um, opening a Magnum is the perfect way to welcome folks when they come over. And, um, you know, I, I know that there's four of us. We're going to take a Magnum down, no problem. So um, <laughs> I, I bought... I bought a bunch of Magnums by Andre Mack. He makes a wine called XL, which is a Pinot Noir from the Willamette Valley. And oh, um, oh I think it does some of his other wines. He he does the OPP, right? The other people's Pinot. He does. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love his so wines. I love, I, love, <laughs> I love his wines. You know, um, really cool cat. Very you know, down to earth. Um, I, I love I love supporting you know folks who are doing things a little differently than everybody. And uh, so I saw that he posted um, a holiday sale at the end of the year, and I, I went pretty long. I, I bought um, I bought like four cases of his magnums, <laughs> and uh, it's been kind of our go-to uh, wine here at the house, you know. And and at the same time, I love supporting, you know, small business. So I did the same yeah. for uh, my buddy Seth, who's Seth Morgan. He owns uh, Seth Morgan Long. Uh, Morgan Long Wines in Willamette and makes beautiful Chardonnay. Same thing. Um, Magnums of Chardonnay. I mean, what's what's wrong with that? Nothing. So uh, <laughs> those are incredible wines. Um, I also really have been drinking a lot of um, a lot of Riesling um, and Riesling uh, based wines. My buddy John House and his wife Senia House, who uh, make Ovum. I'm not sure sure if you know Ovum wines. Um, they make incredible wines and they, they do a wine, a white blend called big salt, which is badass. Um, that's a really cool, fresh, refreshing wine. Um, trying to think of what else when it comes to reds, um, I love finding old stuff. So like, um, I've been buying stuff at auction for years and, um, I'm always looking for a great deal. So I've been buying a lot of wine at auction over the last couple of months. And I also found some, OG Cali stuff. I, I just opened up some Inglenook from the 80s. Oh, wow. Um, we, we cooked we cooked steak the other day and just opened up three bottles of, of Inglenook from the 80s. We had 85, 86, and 88. And we just kind of compared them and had a steak. And, you know, sometimes you got to just ball out with the OGs. And, um, nice. you know, that was a, that was a cool house, experience. Man. Yeah, when you're in Chicago, you let me know. You know, it's uh, it's 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 uh, watch it's a out, lot of my brother lives there. I come. Oh wow! I go there. Okay. I go there from time. I love that city. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, yeah, absolutely. And then I mean, you know me, I'm a bubbles guy. So 
Champagne is something that's always open at the house. Um, I do a lot of virtual events, and so there's always, you know, there's always a bottle of bubbles mm-hmm. open. Um, I, I definitely celebrate, you know, our winery, which is Charles Heitzig, a lot. Um, but at the same time, I love exploring and, and trying new things. Um, so I'm always looking for something different to just um, to pop around. But, um, yeah, it's, awesome. it's, uh, I love Burgundy. Uh, I love Oregon. Champagne, obviously, and Riesling. So um, German Riesling is definitely something that I look forward to. And whenever I find it with age, you know, I'm buying stuff with, oh, with, with age. That's from the 80s. It's cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, cool. I think you know that enough. You need more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That was, that was, I, that was thorough. I, uh, okay. Thank you for okay. putting all the thought into it. Um, question number right. two is, do you have either, it can be either a favorite pairing or an unusual or surprising pairing that you've enjoyed? Mm. And it could be any kind of food, any kind of drink. Yeah, I mean, I think um, some of my favorite go-to pairings are like, you know, uh, I think Willamette Pinot Noir and, and uh, roast uh, salmon um Oh, I think those those are like classic pairings that bring me back to my time when I was actually in the land at making wine and being a part of like traditional salmon bakes. Um, you know, thinking about quarantine cooking, it's like you know you're you're, you're cooking obviously a very unique. Uh, uh, you're, you're cooking with a smaller portion, so obviously you can't do like the whole salmon, but we can have our little taste of that memory for me when we cook a piece mm. of salmon and open a bottle of of Pinot Noir. Um, I love that pairing. Um, when I think of like um, sushi and white burgundy, that's something that we love to celebrate. Um, so like, you know, Merceau, or some, mm-hmm. some cool stuff with some aged Merceau, for instance. Um, I got some, uh, uh, who is it? Uh, I'm blanking on the producer. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm I'm blanking oh, on the name of the user. The bottle is around here somewhere. I'm sure it's in our recycling <laughs> bin. Uh, um, but I just I love yeah. how you know angular and um, uh, powerful Chardonnay can go with you know some fish with with, red, with white rich flavors and decadence. I think that's that's a fun classic pairing um, that I think about a lot. Um, and then, you know, thinking about champagne, I, I love talking about champagne and fried chicken. It's like so obvious um, <laughs> for, I think, for someone like me that's around champagne a lot. But I think there's still a lot of people out there that still have never had fried chicken and champagne. So what I like to recommend is, you know, order Postmates, get a fried chicken sandwich from Popeye's delivered to your door and open a bottle <laughs> of champagne and celebrate that because, that is the pairing that we all need uh, in our lives uh, on, on, a, on a regular basis. If you are a, um, if you're a meat lover, uh, you got to check it out. And um, I would also encourage people to check out Rosé Champagne with fried chicken. Oh. It's one of, one of my favorite pairings. So, uh, yeah. That's, nice. That's I'm uh... In my opinion. <laughs> I I do endorse I I'm not a meat eater but I do know how much I love rosé champagne and French fries so it's at least fried. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. That's a great that's a great comparison. And like something about the fried foods and the bubbles just so good. Um, yep, yep. Cool. 
Okay, question number three is, since you are in Chicago, uh, how do you feel about Chicago pizza, and do you have a favorite place to get it? Oh, yeah. Um, Chicago pizza, wow. I mean, um, for me, there's two There's two phases. Uh, are we going to have the pizza? Are we going to eat it at the restaurant, or are we going to have it delivered? And so my recommendation uh, for Chicago pizza, if you're going to eat it at the place, is Pequod's. Um, that's, in my opinion, the best Chicago pizza that you can have, but you've got to have it fresh. If you're going to take delivery, then Lou Malnati's is by far the best for delivery. Those two, in my opinion, are what encompasses, you know, the joy and uh, best of Chicago-style pizza. Um, and uh, everyone should try to slice at least one point uh, to try it. Um, so, yeah. And uh, let's see what Put them on my next time I'm in Chicago list. <laughs> yeah, Pequods and Lou Malnati's. Yeah, those are those are the two. Cool. Um, okay, next question. Uh, if you had to pick a desert island style of champagne, whether it's Blanc de Blanc, Blanc de Noir, vintage, um, if you needed to pick a, a Desert Island style of of champagne. What would what would you pick? I I like I like old shit. I mean, long yeah. leaves aging. There is no replication for that. So something that's been on leaves for at least fifteen years. Um, usually you're going to see that with a vintage on it. So I'm going to say vintage anything with at least mm-hmm. fifteen years of leaves aging, and that is my Desert Island champagne. Whether it's Blanc or it's Rosé. I need I need time on leaves. I want that fuzzy characteristic. I want the brioche. Uh-huh. I want the croissant, and then I want to feel this, um, you know, this this uh, uh, candied candied fruit component that you get after that age. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> and make sure there's a cigar for that beach. That's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll, I'll oh, add yeah. In a, a a writer to to that saying that you can you can have cigars too. <laughs> Yes, um, yes, on the beach. <laughs> perfect. Oh, well, I should add that to the list of people. Whenever I ask people the pairing question, I did have someone once mention a burgundy and cigar pairing. So I'll add cigar yeah. and vintage champagne to my list of interesting answers. Yes, I've got it. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I, I fully stand by that. I, I've shown that pairing to many master psalms that have looked at me like I was an alien with a, you know, a third eye when I said, <laughs> Hey, we're going to drink this champagne with some, with some cigars, Cuban cigars. And they're like, are you kidding me? And then I do it. And they're like, Holy shit. I had no idea this was a thing. And I'm like, yeah, there you go. Like I get it. Not everybody's into cigars and not everybody's into smoking while drinking. But for me, I think there is an incredible pairing, um, there that is to your point not just food you know um cigars and champagne i think is is awesome i've I've done some uh some serious research and development over the last few years on that (laughs) very cool um all right well we're down to the the last question which is the one i've asked people since since the beginnings of this show which uh can be related to food and wine or not which is just simply what's bringing you some joy these days what what did you say? Oh, sorry. What's bringing you joy these days? What's bringing me joy? Um, I, I think I think what I'm loving is 
I'm seeing people be more vocal about what they're trying to accomplish with their with their with their community, um, with their world, and I love it. I love people being them uh, and being and being proud of who they are. Um, it's something that I struggled with for a long time when I was young, Sam, and young in this industry. I didn't know, you know, where I could go. I didn't know who I could be, and uh, you know, I didn't see a lot of people like myself growing up in this business. But I had the support of my parents to, you know, keep pushing for things that I wanted in this space and more importantly in our industry. And so to see this movement of people really celebrating themselves and not being afraid of of what, you know, maybe the, the norm is um, or feeling yeah. like, you know, their community doesn't know how they feel about certain things. Um, I'm loving that. And I, and I just, I, I want to celebrate it and continue to push it because um, I think our wine industry is big enough for everyone. And I love seeing how, you know, how diverse the community is and how different everybody is. But the, the common thread is that we all come to the table with great wine and um you know we all can we can all connect that way you know we may we may all yeah. look differently we may all speak different languages but i think we can all agree that you know vintage champagne is some boss ass shit and needs to be in our <laughs> lives more often right <laughs> yeah so i i, I oh. truly think that you know as an industry i'm so proud to see that you know we are and i'm proud to promote that we are stronger together than apart and i think yeah. inclusivity is um, really what is driving me to continue pushing for change and pushing for this industry to be really where it could be. Um, there's so many people that have sent me notes of encouragement and support over the last, you know, year, I guess you could say now, that that is amazing. It's amazing to be heard and seen, but more importantly, I'm trying to make sure that others out there can also be heard and seen um, because it's, it, they deserve it. And I think everybody deserves a place in this industry and a place at the table when it comes to wine. Um, and I'm excited to see where those people bring our industry and take it. You know, I'm, I'm not here trying to be like, no, it needs to be my way. No, I want to see what everybody else thinks it should be, you know? So yeah. I think um, I, I take a lot of pride and joy to see that there are more seats at the table than ever. And I know that those seats are going to create more room for more seats. And um, yeah. I, I would also have to say that I really, really am living uh, and, and enjoying that, you know, the, um, I guess the, the pop culture or the larger social environment around us is really taking a cue and look at wine and celebrating it. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I understand there's, there is celebrity wine out there, but I really love the fact that knowing that some of my, you know, idols or people that I think are, are fascinating and are doing great things also love wine. You know, I think before it was always held behind closed doors. So to see people, you know, publicly celebrating good wine, you know, and promoting great yeah. wine that, you know, normally would be overlooked, like that for me is like I feel validated in in the fact that like I'm a I'm a wine geek. And it, for me it's <laughs> not about like how much does the bottle cost. It's about does this taste good? You know, and, and um yeah. I think there's one there's one way to do it and you know to be flashy and and just promote ostentatious kind of lifestyle. But it's another thing to really kind of promote and celebrate passion and dedication to craft, the hard work it takes to make certain wines, regardless of the price point. 
And um, that's what we do as a, you know, as wine professionals, we celebrate the little guys and, you know, the effort that it takes to make a bottle of wine regardless of the price and to see people in those spaces that are, you know, leaders of their worlds um, come into ours. It's so flattering and it's so exciting Uh because I know that all it means is that more people are going to come and, and that means that we're just going to have a, we're going to have a bigger party. So there's, more more room at the table, that means bigger bottles. And we got to be ready with those big bottles. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. That's awesome. Uh, also, oh, this is just random, but I have to compliment your, your fashion. This is completely random, but you said talking about uh, different people having different ways. Of, I, I have to compliment your fashion since I love looking at your oh. Instagram. And, like, your outfits are always, <laughs> like, so interesting and colorful and, like, uh uh, your, all your jackets, or are they jackets, or how, how would you call them, or scarves? Just it's, I, I love your Instagram, so that's a compliment <laughs> I have you. to throw Thank your you. way. Yeah, uh, no, I appreciate it. I, I, I really, um, I knew at an early age that fashion was another way that we could connect with people, and as a psalm, I knew that, you know, when people walk in the door of our restaurant, they're going to be judging me by the way I look and the way that I take care of myself or the way that I act, interact with guests. And I think fashion is one of those things that it immediately creates a barrier uh, that can be broken. Uh, if you show that your attention to detail and, you know, the way you look and present yourself is going to obviously inspire other people to be like, wow, okay, I can, this guy, I relate with them or that's a really amazing suit. Like, where did you get it? Like now we know yeah. that we shop at the same tailor. And obviously as my time has, um, progressed to where I was no longer on the floor, I realized that I could be a little more deliberate with my personal fashion. And of course, as I've aged and uh, become a little more refined, my fashion sense is also refined. And, you know, I think um, I'm also at a place right now where I'm so proud to celebrate things that I love. And I hope yeah. that inspires others to do the same. So like, if I love, you know, Versace robes and, and smoking jackets, like, that's me. That's not yeah. like, that's not the brand. That's not the brand telling me that you should be wearing that. It's me telling me that I should be wearing that. And I hope that <laughs> I inspire other people to find, you know, a piece of fashion that really, you know, makes them feel happy about, you know, um, the things that they like and love. So um, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the compliment. And, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. I try to have fun with it. Um, a yeah. lot of times well, I love yelled at me for wearing too much goofy stuff, but um, <laughs> it's fun. You got to have fun with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that. Like, it's just like, it's, it, you're very idiosyncratic. Like you can tell that it's like just you really just doing, doing you. So like, that's part, part of what I love about yeah. looking at it. So yeah. Well, um, before I let you go, do you want to tell people where they can, or if there's anything you want to shout out or tell people where to find you on the socials? anything like oh, that yeah um you can find me at Nixom on instagram and on twitter um tiktok is coming soon <laughs> for sure <laughs> but um instagram is really my home base um and uh you know i think it's um uh, it's a great way to connect with people that are looking for something different than the norm and uh, i've been so proud to kind of uh be the the, the, the caretaker for this historic property and, and, and winery in the Champagne region called Charles Heitzig. And, um, you know, check us out. We're the little guy. We're a little different. And sometimes different is just exactly what you're looking for. And I think that's what, you know, I'm so proud to be able to share is that we've got a family and a winery that, that has uh, celebrated different 
you know, since 1851. And they've asked me to continue on that tradition here in the U.S. So, um, yeah, let's rock and roll. Drink some more big bottles of champagne, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can't. Uh, I can't wait to yeah to have gatherings and and big bottles. It'll it'll it's happening soon. My my friends are getting vaccinated by the. I'm not in the hospitality, but being in the Psalm community, so I've been. All my uh-huh. friends are getting vaccinated. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, yeah. It's finally happening. Um, you gotta take a you gotta take a seller internship job so you can get that vaccine. Oh yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. There you go. There you go. Yeah, right now work from home journalists were not at the top of the list, but I'm like, eh, it's gonna happen sooner, sooner rather than later. Or at least all my friends are gonna be vaccinated, so they weren't too worried about me. But um, oh, yep. thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Um, I hope. You have, I hope things keep being springy and, and they're spring coming in, in Chicago. And uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll let you know when this episode is out, but I just really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, no, absolutely. And thank you so much for reaching out. Um, it was a blast to, to chat and I hope that we can have a glass of champagne uh, when the time is right. So we'll be here. All right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, have a good night. <laughs> I just drink. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.